Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Elm Park Rolls podcast. My name is Paul Mann and I will be hosting the show well, it feels a little bit like the balloon has been slightly popped. We had the hype building up to the start of the season, and then reality, Reading style, kicked in. A confused, kind of unsure performance all over the pitch, management making some interesting tactical decisions, leading to a 3-1 home defeat against Sheffield Wednesday. I'm here to help me chat about it and... Uh, Try and find some positives, maybe, if there is any. I've been joined by Matt Lansley. Hi. Hello. I've also been joined by Jacob Southcline. Hello. I was going to say, can you slightly pop a balloon? Surely a balloon is popped around the park. Well, that is just more confusion, isn't it? It's just slowly <laughs> deflating. It's like one of those helium ones that stays what? up a little bit longer. <laughs> these squeaky noises. That, that, yeah. You know, you know, it's on its way to being saggy and wrinkly and it just makes an annoying sort of squeal in its death throes. That's Reading Football Club. Yeah. That's it. We're all on our way to getting saggy and wrinkly, Jacob. Some of us are nearer than others. So um, what do we think of that performance, though, in the first half? Confused, oh, tactical, Liam Moore on the right-hand side instead of left, the first goal. Jacob, that first goal taught me through it. I mean, I think it's important to look at the first goal we conceded from the context of what came before it, because it was clear right from the off that Wednesday's number seven, uh, Harris, I believe, uh, was a real handful. And the fact that we'd set up in this formation, which means that Yeardham's providing all of our width higher up the pitch, along with whoever's on the left, and yesterday it was Richard's. Um, it means that the minute that a pacey, tricky winger like Harris gets in behind that, it's down to more and Miazga to then sort that out basically on their own. And you touched upon the positional confusion of of them being swapped around this season from what the pairing was last season. Um, so you could kind of see that goal coming. You thought that if Wednesday were going to score, it was going to be via Harris. And he did. Um, Virginia got a hand to it, but ultimately I think it would be cruel to to criticise Virginia for that. Um, we might well touch on the goalkeeping issue later on, but you know th- it was a disappointing goal to concede, especially when there was a couple of penalty shouts as well prior to that. And yeah. you can't attribute the fact that we lost 3-1 to the fact that we were denied the penalties exclusively, but we didn't have 
any of the luck. And that's been the theme for Reading, not just last season, but for a while now. So, I don't know, that first goal took the wind out of our sails because we were putting together some flashes of nice, tidy play up until then. But tidy play is nothing if you don't have a cutting edge. And we just it's really, really obvious going into last week of the transfer market that we don't have that cutting edge still. No, midfield looked, um, yeah, weak, inexperienced, I would say, yesterday. Um, more good things may come from them. Barrett did set up the goal, which come on to later. But, yeah, Liam Moore looks uneasy with uh, the number seven yesterday. And I've forgotten his name now. <laughs> <laughs> he begins with a K. Barrett, yes. Yes, he was just absolutely um, bamboozled us in the whole of the time he was on the pitch. It was... If we go back to the... I just kind of can't understand why we've switched them over. I mean, after the game, Gomez was stating that offensively it helps Liam Moore to be on the right-hand side instead of the left. Miazga looked fine in the left-hand side. That was not an issue. I mean, I know he got the last goal we come on to, but it was a kind of a situation that I think we've slightly overcomplicated it. It's one match, so maybe it will work out. But I'm not sure if it was going to be the correct ploy because Liam Moore, like you said, Jacob, up against the tricky winger is not going to... That's going to end up bad quite a lot of the time with Yadam pushed forward so much. But we did have the penalty kind of claim incident before that. And Matt, what did you think of that? The refereeing and the Mo Barrow miss? Um, yeah, well, it's obviously it's a shocker from the ref to... to, to to miss it you know it's, it's a decision he's quite simply got to got to make because that changes it changes the game you know you, you don't know what could have happened after that you know down to 10 men potentially us then going one nil up but uh, for for as bad as the refereeing decision was that Mo Barrow miss was about 10 times worse I think because how he missed from three yards with a half a goal gaping is you know he might have been distracted by the fact he probably thought it was handball but he, you know, if, if if he tucks that away, no one's talking about the handball. And I, I, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's just hard to really just understand how, I know it's his weak foot and everything, but how, how he misses that is just, it, it's, it's shocking. It's a shocker. And He's got his as well, hasn't he? He, he does, yeah. Like, and he, he didn't have the best of games it, it, all, all in all, yesterday, partly because of the positions he was being moved into, but um, but but yeah, he 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 often blows hot and cold, Barrow, and you really saw the the cold end of his spectrum yesterday, and it just culminated in that miss. It seemed so. The difficult thing for me with Barrow is that the owners have made it very clear that he's one of a group of players that they don't want to sell at any price. So he's clearly one of our most saleable assets and is considered to be one of our most important attacking threats. But then on performances like that yesterday, you think, given that he wanted to leave earlier on the summer, it was reported, would we be better? Maybe not now that it's so late in the window, but would we have been better, especially under the financial hardship or financial having our hands tied at the moment, if we had offloaded him and got in someone who is more of a clean-cut, out-and-out winger or a clean-cut, out-and-out striker, you know, someone who is consistent, it's, it's tough. It really is tough because you make it so difficult for yourself 
from early on in the game, if you're missing chances like that, you're immediately putting yourself up against it unnecessarily. And because we know what the referees are like in this division, you know, so it's a new season, but the referees haven't changed. I mean, all over Twitter, so no matter what the club, um, I was seeing people in League Two, League One, our league, all saying what we already know in that the referees are just, you know, abominable. Um, so, and that's with, with the rule change that they've brought in now with the handball rule, how if it touches someone's hand, deliberate or not, it is the letter of the law of penalty. The fact that the official Reading Twitter account had to post a picture of it saying, you know, look, it's hit. That part. I know this doesn't come across well in podcast form. <laughs> you know, it's hit this part of his body and the referee's going like that. I mean, God, just get a grip. So, I, I don't know. Very frustrating all around. Very. Okay. And there's also another one later on when from Miazga was pushed by Fletcher. I mean, I'm not so sure on that one. You see that sometimes in games. I mean, what did you think of that one, Matt? It that, that one was almost like your old schoolboy um, table and stairs move. It was like someone, someone crouched down and he just got pushed over him. Like, and it was, <laughs> I mean, again, it, 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 it was a less clear cut one, but anywhere else on the pitch, that's a, it's a, it's a free kick hands down. And, um, and how, how it wasn't, how it wasn't given again, you just, you just wondered how has the referee missed that? But like, like Jacob said, it's you know we're not we're not new to this whole refereeing situation, and it always seems that you know you're you're more hard off than other clubs when it comes to refereeing decisions. But it, it, it you know we know the state of affairs in in refereeing. So, but um, but yeah, yeah. I I don't think the reason we lost was the referee. I don't want to pin all the blame alone because I really don't feel that was the case. Sheffield Wednesday were better than us. Yeah. Um, they deserved to win. They took their chances. They had other chances which they could have scored from as well. So it's not a Reading podcast saying, "Oh, we were robbed by the referee and it was a disgrace," because that is not the case. Right. Um, sadly, um, I'm discussing early before we start recording. If we had got the penalty, scored the penalty, and he would have been sent off. They'd be down to 10 men. We probably would have won. You never know with Redden Football Club. They can throw in pain at any moment. But that would have just covered up, actually, all the issues we have. We've got kind of swapping the formation throughout the first half. And Danny Loder, just confusing me. I'm not quite sure what's going on there. What is his position? Is he a striker, midfield, winger? Is he going to be one of those players that's an under-23 world beater and then in the professional game, not quite making it? He's still very young, so let's not kind of like say this end of his career or anything, because clearly it isn't. What do we think, Jacob? Oh, because Loder, like many of our attacking options at the moment, is suffering from that syndrome of positionally, where does he play? Where is he most effective? And in a way, you can give him the benefit of the doubt to some degree because of his age. But then we've got other attackers who are older and more experienced and have been in the game for a longer amount of time who don't really have a clean-cut position in this Reading team either. But with Loder specifically, he was way too safe for me yesterday. And part of the value he's given to the under-23s has been in being explosive and being, um, you know, being the cutting edge for the under-23s, whereas yesterday in a more of a withdrawn midfield position, he was just too 
I'm adventurous and almost a bit pedestrian. Um, a lot of just sideways passing, taking the easy route, and it's sort of transferred to the players around them as well. I thought that if you're going to start Loder in that role as a number 10, as far as I could see, but because the positioning up front is so unclear anyway, he might have been playing somewhere else, who knows. Um, if he's going to start in that role and be so ineffective, we've got to start with someone like Elise from the off, because Elise does have that more um, unpredictable, explosive flair about him. Um, and I thought he did all right when he came on. Um, so it's tough because this season when we're going to be playing so many people from the academy anyway, we've got to be patient and we've got to acknowledge the position we're in. But we've also got to not look at it through the rose-tinted glasses of, oh, well, they're one of our own. So it's tough. There's a decision to be made there from Gomez. He was furious, as far as I could see, with Loder up until half-time, but chose to keep him on. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, though, what happens in the next game. But um, just another way in which this bubble of optimism, which has been growing and growing and growing, just another way in which that was, you know, slightly, you know, take, the luster of that was taken off somewhat yesterday. Yeah, that's just so frustrating because we've been building to a nice kind of platform for the club to build on. And yeah, it's deflating. There's no point. You just got to, I'm trying to stay slightly positive by saying it's one game of 46, but there's a part of me thinking that's just more agony <laughs> just waiting to happen. Um, so we move on into the second half and we actually started quite well. We managed to equalise. Barrett with a lovely cross, you got to say for the goal. And Mate with a really good finish with his head. Um, what did you think of the goal, Matt? It, it, it was it, it was a very, very well well worked goal, really. It was well well taken, well taken from Mate, who didn't like a lot of the other players, didn't have the best of games, but it's very, very well taken. It seems to be his his heading ability seems to be, you know, his his biggest biggest attribute really, because you never really know what you're gonna get with his feet when when he's shooting. So um but um but but um but no yeah it, it was it was it, it was very nice very nicely worked by Barrett um very determined as well to get get around get uh, get around the defenders and then a lovely little chip cross into Mate I mean it was it was very it, it, it it's a very very good goal but I think the wor- the worst bit was obviously how how they how they then went went on from that goal yeah that was so sloppy and we really showed an experience there I mean I haven't said that we did exactly the same last team with a much more experienced team we. We have the kickoff, and I think within less than two minutes, we're back to losing the match. But in between the second goal for Sheffield Wednesday from Hutchinson, we managed the Sheffield managed to, Wednesday managed to counter attack on us and leave us. So there was about four Sheffield Wednesday players against three. How do we manage to leave ourselves so open? I mean, this had happened because Mate had a small chance from across into the box. From uh, Barrow, I think it was, and he did wasn't really an opportunity to score. It wasn't a miss or anything, but we committed so many players ahead of where they should be. Just I think, so open. I think a lot of it comes down to obviously the inexperience of the squad. I mean, you know, because because the the atmosphere in the stadium at that point it was it was it was really good. You know, everyone everyone was on their feet. Everyone was 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 singing, and it, and it's one thing that the young players have got to 
you know they, they've got to embrace obviously the the effect of the atmosphere but they can't go losing losing their heads you know and j- j- just go pushing forwards willy-nilly because a, a, a team like Sheffield Wednesday with the attacking threat they have they will punish you you know if if, if, if they end up with you know even even say a three on four you know they can really really hurt you on 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 the counter so it's it, it, it's a learning curve for a lot of the young players I think but um but yeah they uh, they, they just need to obviously learn to just just try and hold hold things back a bit so i think yeah maybe you're right maybe they did get caught up with the adrenaline and the atmosphere of it It took a great header clearance from miazga sadly from the corner they managed to score they completely outwitted us with our second uh, goal from the corner i mean hutchinson just moved slightly but we're left in a situation when he is completely unmarked, I'm not quite sure who should be marking him. Should it be Asuka? Should it be Mate? I'm not quite sure. But we've got three players stood in our own six-yard box marking nobody. Mm-hmm. And Sheffield Wednesday tried this in the first half, tried to put this header in outside the six-yard box. They didn't quite get it right. This time they managed to put in the perfect header. Um, Virginia was getting stick for this. And saying he should have saved it, I don't think he had a chance to save this at all. Well, what did you think of it, Jacob? Frustration for me, and there's a couple of things because the actual lead up to the goal frustrated me because it seemed like something we would have done previously under the likes of Paul Hammond or yeah. previous management. Right, the fact that you get yourself back on terms and then you conspire almost immediately, and you don't know whether it's a mental thing or like um, you both touched upon, whether it's uh, an inexperienced thing or what, but it smacked me of the sort of calamity reading of yesteryear. It reminded me of the Norwich match. Right. <laughs> Precisely. So, I don't know, I thought we were starting to move away from that. And then the goal itself, every time that Wednesday got a corner in the game, it was an immediate threat. They, their corners and their set pieces yesterday were a constant danger and I'm convinced that part of it even though Virginia maybe in terms of him saving it couldn't have done anything what I think he could have done and again this is definitely an age thing and the fact that it was his first professional league performance yesterday or appearance um, he doesn't assert himself in the same way that a goalkeeper like Martinez or from previously with Reading, like a goalkeeper like Federici. He won't bark at people. He won't organise his defence. He won't, like, put himself about in the box physically. Um, you know, which is fine if he's that sort of player, but it just meant that with a goal like Wednesday's second goal from Hutchinson, we were at an immediate disadvantage. We're almost, like, waiting for the back of the net to ripple. Um, so I know that Virginia's likely to get better just through the circumstances of him playing every week. Perhaps with I know we've been linked with another goalkeeper from Italy this morning, but um, it's can we really afford to give him the patience and give him the time when we're likely to struggle anyway this season? Do you know what I mean? It's, it may be a luxury that we don't have. It's almost like, and I know it's like comparing apples and pears, but it's almost like a Jonathan Bond situation. Do you know what I mean? Where Bond came in was a highly rated young goalkeeper from a Premier League team and never really asserted himself and then we hit the panic button and got in an experienced head and you just wonder whether the same thing's going to 
happen this season. I don't know, but I, I think there's real question marks, perhaps unfairly, over the goalkeeping department at the moment. And the, the second goal didn't really do anything to change my mind on that. No, I think what you're saying. Yeah, go on, Matt. I think I think one of one of one of one of the things that I think could be a massive disadvantage to him as well is that the fact that he he's the number one goalkeeper and he's not got any experienced goalkeeper to to just to just give him a little nudge in the right direction or give him a little pep talk over the shoulder really because you know if if he you know I, I, tomorrow or yesterday he probably would have damaged his confidence quite a bit you know with, you know conceding three goals on professional debut he's never gonna be never gonna obviously bump your confidence up much and. And the fact that you know he he's almost been stuck on this pedestal of obviously being our number one, you're going to be our number one, and if you're not, we've kind of got you know a player like Sam Walker behind you, which I don't think many Reading fans want to see him playing much this season. It it, it, it puts him it puts so much pressure on his shoulders, and he's not got really anyone to to you know give him give him the little nudge in the right direction, or just just little little talk if if if, if he's starting to find things tough because he's going to have to learn incredibly quickly if. You know he's going to continue to be our number one. Yeah, and he's also not being helped by the fact in front of us we just look disorganised. I know some of that is down to him, which we've discussed. But playing Adam so high, and we said earlier that we're going to see how that goes. But that really worries me. You know, in friendlies it's fine, and you can like teams are playing at half pace, and it's not quite the same. But in a competitive match against the team, against the experienced players, they, they kept on repeatedly trying that pass, trying to get to Harris and isolate both of our centre-backs because it's the obvious ploy to try because it only needs to happen once and it works and that is enough. So, I don't know. If he's going to persist with that Gomez, I'm not sure. Will we see Morrison at some point? Maybe. He's a player that we've bought in and he's not actually you know, really featured that much. So he's sure he will play at some point, but to leave out more or Miazga, is he going to convert to a 3-5-2 maybe? Um, I'm not sure he's going to. It might help defensively, I think, because because obviously if it, because you could almost attribute the first goal to, well, well you can't con- um, attribute all of it to to Yadon being so far up. But if, but if Yadon is slightly deeper, you know, Moore doesn't have to face um, Harris when he when he's running in there because um, Yadon will probably be there or will be tracking back to to cover if if if, if he wants to push the fullbacks up so much and it certainly seemed like he wanted to yesterday it almost makes sense to go to a three at the back when you've got someone like Moore or even McIntyre you know or, or yeah. just just sat just sat on the bench um, and and if 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 we're struggling defensively I mean we certainly seem to still struggle defensively obviously under. Gomez last year with the amount of chances we were giving up um, and the amount of chances Martinez needed to save you know if that continues this year you know there's there's got to be you know some questions asked of of you know the defensive structure really and a three at the back or five at the back might you know certainly be able to be able to help that so yeah the defense is an interesting one because a player that's been brought in like Morrison from Birmingham who was Birmingham's captain is not going to want to come to a club that finished below them in the league and then not start. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he's a former captain and he was a, quite an impressive performer last season. If you look at the goals that he scored on top of being a dependable defensive presence, which is your primary job as a defender, funnily enough. Um, it does make you think, even though the defence is now on paper one of our most stacked and... Um, well-stocked positions on the pitch. 
whether there is going to be a shake-up there at some point, either in the formation playing a three or breaking up that partnership of Moore and Miazga after, you know, not a brilliant run of one game. Um, and um, it just, it's, we need stability, but at the same time, we can't afford to, you know, to think, oh, you know, let's keep on doing the same thing and expecting different results. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know, I know what you're saying. It's a, we, we can't afford to have a poor start. Mm. We really can't because that could be catastrophic for us. We need to pick up some even draws, points. We've obviously got Hull coming up. But, yeah, going back to the match, then Barrow had a chance inside the penalty area. It kind of cut back on his left foot and then got onto his right foot. Unfortunately, that's where it all went wrong. Uh, once he gets onto his right foot, he's uh, just like Yaku Mate. He has not got a right foot at all. And that was never going to end up well. So that skied over the bar. The Knicks' real change was when we brought on Adam. And he definitely had an impact in the match, I thought. I thought he did quite well. Um, it's changed after the red card, but we'll come on to that. What did you think of Adam, Matt? Um, well, it, it, it certainly seemed to cha- change things going forwards, and it, it, it was the same in almost in the Chelsea Chelsea game. I was very surprised with him in the Chelsea game, um, and and again again yesterday, he is his passing. I know a lot a lot of people were talking when he came in about his his um, pass actually last year at Stoke of only being about fifty or fifty one percent. But I mean, so so far he, he's not really done himself any disservice really to almost you know start pushing for first team spot the one thing obviously is his fitness but um but but, but i mean his passing his creativity and um it, it, it all seems to be it all seems to be there really but one thing that it, it seemed to happen again and again during the game was that we, we we'd almost either pass the ball to swift when it was swift in the deep line position and then also adam when he came on they would almost just pass the ball to adam on the halfway line and then just expect them to make some some wonder pass forwards and it and it, it, it again it just it it just put question marks around the whole tactics of everything and and i think when adam came on he was he um he he went almost into the number 10 position he was playing a lot higher up the position uh up the field and um swift was playing slightly deeper but then as as time went on it was he was dropping further back and further back and just spraying long balls long balls forwards but um but if if he if he continues to obviously play play like he did, you know, he, he I think he he might start playing obviously a much bigger role than I think a lot of people definitely expected him to when he when he when he came in. So yeah, no, I think he will. I could see him starting a match uh, pretty soon. Um, someone else who came on was Elise. Now Elise has definitely got talent. Uh, there's no doubt on that. He managed to uh, put the through ball to Barrow which I'm not sure if he was really ever going to get to that clearly, but it was a definite red. There's absolutely no doubt that he brought him down. Uh, sadly, it was just outside the penalty area, so there was a free kick. Um, John Swift taking that free kick. Now, you've got Charlie Adam on the pitch, who has a history of scoring free kicks, or you've got John Swift, who scored one last season out of about 100 attempts, it felt like. Um, Charlie Adam, for me, has to take that free kick. Whether he scored, we never know. He might well have not scored, but I would have thought that was the right decision. Who would you rather see taking that, Jacob? It's a nice problem to have, really, isn't it? Because I 
really had no idea who was going to take it when I saw the two of them standing over it right up until the moment that it was kicked. And maybe in hindsight, you're right, and it would have been interesting, if nothing else, to see what Adam would have done with it. Because it's about momentum as well, because the minute that we didn't do anything with that free kick and the chance was gone was kind of the beginning of the end for us because from then on all the decision making went it became a lot more um route one a lot more people making individual areas of judgment really and like the panic setting or it felt like we knew we were up against the clock when we had a fair chunk of regular time left and then seven minutes of added time to play but for the last 10-15 minutes it didn't feel like we were playing with an extra man because of everything that started to creep in from that free kick being missed. So had it been scored in a parallel universe, then we might have actually gone on to get something from the game. But whether, I mean, I did expect Swift to take it given that, you know, he's, he's been in the squad for a longer time. Gomez seems to think of him as like his... Um, set piece taker like before the advent of Charlie Adam um, we know that Adam is good from set pieces he, he put in a brilliant ball for Morrison to head home against Chelsea um, and then maybe in time he will grow to be the free kick taker but I don't know that it felt like when Loder was taken off um, who had been playing in the number 10 role, we were then trying to compensate for that in and sort of like invent solutions to a problem that had emerged during the game. So like um, we've already mentioned, Adam went to a number 10 role the last few minutes and, you know, was all right bar the odd Hollywood pass. Um, Swift was trying to fill in that role, but otherwise was deeper. So it just felt like, again, the on-pitch decision-making coupled with the off-pitch decision-making from Gomez in the team selection and how it unfurled, just played against us in the last 15 minutes. And it started from the free kick. Yeah, yeah, yeah go on, Matt. I think, I, I think one, of the, one, one, one of the same graces for Swift on that free kick was that it was on his side. It was on, it was on his right foot to obviously to, um, to, to curl into the corner. Obviously, Swift, um, Adam, if he was on it, would have had to start outside the post and come in. Mm. But I think that was one of the... One of the the main reasons I think why why Swift took it. If it was on the other side of the pitch, I'm I'm sure it would have been Adam really. So, yeah, yeah, no, I can see your point there completely. But I mean, it just it could cross it slightly, maybe into an area. I just feel more confident with Charlie Adam taking a set piece than John Swift in general. Matt, that's just I just been damaged by previous <laughs> uh, seasons <laughs> of watching him take them. And uh, something new is exciting. Something new. <laughs> I kind of... So, yeah, it just really... It was worrying the way that we collapsed after that red card. And Jacob is right. As soon as that didn't go in, or even close to going in, it kind of just ruined the whole kind of mood in the atmosphere and in the stadium. It just felt like oh, just really was horrible. And I can't explain... If we just managed to get an equaliser in that match, that would have felt... It wouldn't have been a win, but we would have come away thinking, okay, we didn't play that well, but it's okay. We've got something out of it. We can build on it. But instead, we're going to let in a kind of semi-calamitous kind of comedy third goal, which managed to make Matt Miazga 
looked quite poor when actually he'd been clearly one of the best players on the pitch yeah. in, by some distance for us. Uh, Lucas Jow, who obviously wants to come to Reading, is very clear. He gives sending us a message of his ability by just banging one in the corner. And Jacob will get on to his uh, taxi choices uh, in a bit, obviously. Yeah, it's a really good finish, you've got to say. Matt Miazga had a bit of a shocker, really, didn't he? But I think he was just kind of mentally not quite there, which I know some people listening say, oh, that's a bit poor. It's in the last minute of the game. He should be switched on at all times. But it was a frustrating day for the whole team. What did you think of uh, that last goal, Matt? Well, it, it was it, it was a very nicely well well taken goal. And, and I think really once Lucas Schall came on, he didn't really do anything wrong for Wednesday. The way he held the ball up, he seemed to turn turn our players inside out every time, you know, a player seemed to come on or try, tried to come on to him. The one I remember was when he was on the halfway line, took out about three Reading players who tried to come over and tackle him and seemed to just skip past them all like like they weren't even there. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it was it, it was a very nice, well well taken goal. Um very very nice control, very nice finish and um and yeah, with you you've already said it with Miyazki didn't cover himself in glory but um it's it's the last minute of the game i mean i think you'd hope none of their heads would drop there but you know if 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 he didn't score there the whistle was going about 10 seconds later anyway i think so yeah it wasn't a game-changing moment i don't feel so jacob taxi choices with your exclusive transfer knowledge as always oh exclusive is pushing it for me you know (laughs) a shadow of what i used to be for cutting edge Reading FC transfer news, as, as you may or may not know, but yeah, uh, I don't know the whole performance or um, rather, rather like cameo from Lucas Zhao felt like an audition. It did, yeah. It felt like he wanted to make an impression. To I've like, seen him play before, and he wasn't like that. Right. <laughs> I remember him most vividly for some horrendous miss. He, I think it was against Wolves, I want to say, or a team with a W. I might. Uh, he had a horrendous uh, miss against us a few yes. years ago. Right, yeah. <laughs> it is. That, yeah. that was the impression of him that I went into yesterday's match with. And that was completely thrown out of the window by the final whistle because even though the reviews I've seen from the Sheffield Wednesday fans suggest that he very much blows hot and cold and he has flashes of brilliance, but it's not consistent. And also I've seen it suggested that he might be um, I don't know, someone called him lazy or, you know, whatever else. But the thing for me is that we don't have a player at the moment who could have scored the goal that he scored. We don't really have a player that has the composure to take it on the first touch around the defender and then finish that tidily. We don't have a player who can do that at any point, let alone, you know, once every three, four, five games. So I... You know, money aside, if we could somehow wrangle a deal for him, he would offer something different. And he is an out-and-out striker. He's not one of these players like we've got at the moment in the Mate mould or in the Loader mould who, you know, is he a striker, is he a winger? We know he's a striker. He's not a Nelson Oliveira, fine. But I think he would be an improvement on what we've got. Uh, so and then after the game, I wasn't the only one to see it. There was a gaggle, there was a gathering of Reading fans who, like me, had missed the bus and were, you know, waiting for um, a way home. 
And um, yeah, he was away from the rest of the squad. He'd come out of the hotel um, and he was being ushered into a taxi. And these people who were slightly more brazen than me went up to him and said, oh, um, Lucas, are you signing? Are you and off he, to Hogwood? <laughs> he, he went like, oh, you know, I don't know. So, you know, he watched that space, I guess. But if, if he did end up signing for us, I would be moderately whelmed with the signings. I think he would be in a, an improvement for us. And it's probably the sort of signing that we should be pursuing because Wednesday, let's not forget, I've got six strikers. Six. Whereas yeah, I heard the manager talking about that after the match and they set off more kind of... Uh, we, we could do with any one of those six, really, and Jow's as good as any. So I, 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 I don't think... I'm, I've got a bit of a controversial opinion when it comes to Jao. I, I really don't see what, what more he could he could offer us because he's he's very inconsistent. I mean, Mate had a very similar finish to that one last year. I think it was his first goal against Brentford, where he tucked it away very nicely. Luke, Luke, Lucas Jao, he's he's a very he's a very hot and cold player, like like a lot of Wednesday fans have said, and a lot of Wednesday fans have said that maybe he needs a, a move away from the club because you know no one's been able to to um to find his best but I, I really don't see what more he's gonna he, he's a very yakumate type of striker and he might have a slightly better touch and a slightly better um weak foot than mate but um but 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 especially if it's if we're looking at some of the figures that have been pop, popped around you know um even for even for a loan fee if he comes on loan but i don't really see what a loan would would, would would do really unless it's with an obligation to buy or a or an option to buy. I don't really see what a loan would do for for either club really, and especially if with, you know, uh, I think this morning I saw a two two million or two point five million loan fee, and I just think that's almost ludicrous money really for. And he, even if you're looking at a transfer fee of you know five or God forbid, I think I saw eight million. Like it's it's completely out of our. <laughs> It's completely out of our transfer budget for starters, and for, for for a guy that's only scored, I think was it ten or eleven? I think is his highest for a season. I just think you know that he can't really offer much more than I think what 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 we've got already with 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 Mate, and you're much more, um, or you'd be much much better looking at other options. I think um, whether it's abroad or 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 something down that route, really. So. Yeah, no, I mean, we don't know. It's all sort of paper talk. Yeah, yeah, we, we, who knows? It might not be happening. It could be. He does like scoring at Midaski, though, because this is second consecutive seasons now that he scored against us, and both of them have been really good finishes. Oh. <laughs> yeah, last season was even better, I would say. Than, but, yeah, it was. It was an absolute beauty. That was, yeah, again, nobody near him. So, kind of, games against Sheffield Wednesday, we seem to specialise in zero defending. But, I mean, they've done that against other teams, so they're not an exclusive club there, are they? Almost becoming Just, a bogey team, though, Wednesday. With, okay. with Don't, we have done completely <laughs> for years. We would just beat them with ease. I remember the days when Kevin Doyle was scoring hat-tricks against them in about 15 minutes or something. It felt like it was 6-0 wins, and Sheffield Wednesday fans hated coming to our ground, and now we just roll over. It, uh, I can feel the anger building. I can feel the anger building. <laughs> Still haunted by the memory of um, Mikhail Antonio absolutely running Stephen Kelly ragged at Hillsborough um, under Nigel Atkins. 
um, and scoring a hat trick against us. Um, I don't think I've ever recovered from that. That was the beginning of <laughs> no. my mental health, really. No, I can see why. That would be particularly torturous. I remember when he came back, I'm not sure if it was for Forest or Sheffield Wednesday. I think it was Sheffield Wednesday. And he was. they were winning at this point against us. And he was just toying with us by keeping the ball in the corner, going round two or three players. And he was, uh, you know, you don't know what's inside the player's head, but I'm pretty sure he was enjoying that, the way he was let go by Reading. I mean, who wouldn't? He's a human being, isn't he? So moving on to the transfer uh, chat that we've uh, seen this morning and after the game yesterday, we can tick it off on uh, kind of uh, possibilities. Uh, Connor Wickham, are we just going to say... No chance. I can't see that one happening. Matt? Um, I think, well, um, a lot a lot of Palace fans like him, but wages are going to be a big stumbling point. And I know at the moment, with their striker situation, they've got him and Benteke. Um, and um, I know they are looking for, for another one or two. If they did, then, then the door might be there for him to leave. But until that happens, and he would need to take quite a significant wage cut, I think, to even come into our our scope of transfer. So I think you can pretty much mark that one off, unfortunately. Yeah, I think that was done. I don't think that was going to happen. Uh, we've also got this George Lucas. Um, uh, no, not George Lucas. <laughs> we've also got, um, uh, we seem to have a thing about signing players with Lucas. Yeah. You were mentioning on Twitter earlier, um, uh, Jacob, it's quite amazing. It's a conspiracy, you know, like Gomez is trying to construct the perfect front three using yes. players it's who are incredible <laughs> how we're signing all these, trying to sign these players with the Lucas or Jao in their name. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure why that's happening. Um, we've also got this into Milan winger, under 21 Romanian, who was the one I was just talking about. <sighs> that's not going to happen, is it? For <laughs> the last time we signed a Jacob, what do you think, Jacob? Do you think it's going to happen? The George Puskas link is interesting to me because we've been linked with him before. Uh, okay. History. In the Halcyon days of 2015, we mm. were also in for him for another eye-watering fee that we were never going to thump up. Um, but he has been mentioned and linked with us before. So, to me, I wasn't going to immediately dismiss that one out of hand. I mean, okay. I, I'm weirdly more willing to believe that than I am Connor Wickham so that's I'm in terms of my hierarchy Um, but again he's sort of a player in the mold of Lucas Boyer, Lucas Boy whatever he's called Um, in that you know there is the Italian link Um, he is a similar player you know with a bit of flair I know that's probably typecasting someone who is English Taking uh, off that list there, Jacob. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. I mean, it's it's a pipe dream up until the moment we sign him, isn't it? And a lot of our deals that we are um, doing at the moment, and also seem to be rumoured to be doing, um, are the loan with an option to buy sort of deal. And this one would have to be that as well. Buscas, Zhao would have to be that. Um, I believe Boye is also with an option to buy at the end. Uh, with uh, that's according to Turin, uh, or Turin. I've, I've said that's the case. Turin. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But it, it was striking to me how this morning, on the day after losing our opening game three-one, 
we've just seemed to have been linked to everyone. It's almost like the club, and, right, let's, let's actually get some people in. So, let's stop uh, pissing around and actually do something. I know lots of people, it's because of the financial fair play is restricted. It's been a bit harsh there. But um, on to the final link. Now, we'll be talking about the... Uh, Next one. This one involves someone who is completely uninvolved with the club and has absolutely nothing to do with us. There's absolutely zero evidence of Kira Jaichan being involved with any of our transfers. There's no picture of our owners together with Kira Jaichan on the internet. They've never met. They've never met. They don't know each other. That is Raphael, the goalkeeper at Sampdoria, who was previously at Napoli. I looked all this up on that Wikipedia, obviously. I'm not his biggest uh, stalker. knowledge. Um, yeah, yeah, it's good, isn't it? Um, thank goodness for the internet. Um, strangely, once you involve Kir Jatom, you slightly believe that it could happen. He's a 29-year-old. He would tick the box for an experienced goalkeeper. He played twice for Brazil in 2012. He hasn't played a lot in the last few years, but neither had Emi Martinez last season. So that is not a reason to say that we shouldn't sign a goalkeeper. What do you think, Matt? Um, well, I don't think we could have got through an entire um, podcast with uh, transfer rumours without mentioning Kia, Kara, whatever his Jirapchi. name is. Jirapchi, Kara, <laughs> Kia, Kia. Kia. We know who, K, KJ. Yes. <laughs> um, but, but, but yeah, I think like, like, like you say, whenever that name pops up, you you kind of think it's it's almost that one little step closer. But it, it did kind of come out of the blue, and I, I know I think there was a quote from from Gomez when he was asked about um, obviously the transfers. He said the focus was on a striker and a midfielder, but then he was asked about the goalkeeper, and then he just said, "Well, well, well, we'll see." Almost, and I think it it, it certainly wouldn't be the worst decision because, like I say, if you, you know, I, I, like you can't be writing Jal Virginia off just after yesterday. But I, I really do think. He would really um, benefit from having a more experienced goalkeeper, even as a backup, because then, then, then at least, at least for fans as well, we, we we will know. You know, it's not just it's not just down to him or the dreaded thought of Sam Walker in goal. Um, you know, at least we'll have another another option option there. Uh, it, uh, and if if, if it's because if it's potentially a a, a free a free transfer, which I think it could be if if, if um he cancels his contract or you know he would have to pay um agent fees and what have you. But um but I think if it it, it could be quite 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 a shrewd move really and it could really um help help Virginia as well out I think so. I think it would be an instant improvement because mm. it would mean that if it were a permanent deal on a free, we're not having to think about next season as well to plug a gap because let's not forget that Virginia's only on loan. You've got the experience that he brings that you both have mentioned. But also, he seems genuinely eager to come here. I mean, I know Kia has likely gone to him, Oi, you're not playing. I've got this club in England. Cancel your contract. Get on a plane with me. Bob's your uncle. But um, to me, it's the fact that it's been brought about by um, Gianluca Di Marzio, Good old Gianluca. Top man. Oh, I love Gianluca. Yeah, <laughs> big fan. He's very, very reputable. He's in that bracket of um, football journalists where, you know, you, what he says sort of goes as far as transfers are concerned. More so than the likes of, oh, I don't know, um, John Cross at the Daily Mirror. So uh, not, not that, you know, we're going to fall out 
the mirror on. No, no, very, very. Uh, the lights are on the phone. Um, but I, of the of the names that we've been linked to today, that's the one that I can see happening. Yeah, same. Like, yeah, so. yeah. I think that's the most likely, and it would make the most sense. And like you said, uh, Jacob, the fact that he reportedly, from a very good source as well, wants to terminate his contract to get a move to England which is obviously the reasons why if he plays well for us he gets a move to the Premier League we all gain from that though um interestingly though it's, it's interesting how it seems to have come about only recently because when Gomez has been asked about targets it's always a striker and a winger and those are the two sorts of players that have been repeatedly coming up in the press yeah. so this is clearly a recent development in the last few days if we are in fact in for a goalkeeper because it's not been identified as a priority position and Virginia all noises and signs from the club have been that he's our number one so but if he does come in he'd be an upgrade on Walker I don't know what will happen to Walker then whether he's going to go out on loan somewhere or be third choice but uh, yeah, it just goes to show you that once we enter this last week of the window, some unpredictable things might happen, even without goings. You know, we haven't mentioned who might still leave in the next few days, but that's a possibility too. Yeah, you yeah. imagine one good player, well, whether they're good or not, is uh, down to your interpretation of football, isn't it? One of the major senior players who would probably prefer to keep, you would imagine would leave. What do you think, man? Uh, who 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 was that? Sorry. Well, do you think do you think we're going to get a surprise move? Oh, we quite often get them, don't we? Somebody going out. I remember Michael Hector came from nowhere. You just get um, one of those surprise ones, don't you? I, I I I'm still a little undecided about Mo Barry's future because I think a lot a lot will depend on how Luke, Lucas Boyer also performs. Because I know some people say he can play he can play as a as as a number 10 or or a number 9 but um but but, but I think mostly he's played out on the wing on the left so you know most certainly got some direct competition on on that front um so and obviously with reports earlier in the earlier in the window about his potential future obviously not essentially not wanting to be here I like that that I think is the only one I can I can kind of see but we're just laughing at the sirens because I think the police have finally found Paul <laughs> Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> it's just a mention of Mo Barrow. It just sort of alarms on the Reading podcast, and we're all going kind of listening to that and just thinking, yeah, that's probably about right. I think he was trying yesterday, but mm. I'm like you. I'm not sure his heart's in it at all at mm. the moment. And I don't think he. I don't think he put in a, an unprofessional performance or anything like that. No. Just wasn't feeling quite right. And if you're an unsettled player and you want to leave. You know, if you could get a move to the Premier League or to a team at the top of the Championship, who wouldn't be tempted? Mm. I mean, you know, he's going to be affected by that, isn't he? So, we are going to have another tough match next weekend against Hull City. That is a place where we don't really pick up results. Um, They lost yesterday against Swansea City 2-1. We don't want to lose both our opening matches. I'm not going to be optimistic about it at all. I probably will be going. Uh, Jacob, quick prediction on that one based on hope or is it going to be more reality? Which one are you going to go for? I mean, Gomez is going to want to put a line in the sand and get us up and running. And Hull 
even though it's going to be a difficult place to go, as with any team in this league, they've made signings, they've lost Adkins over the summer, and, you know, we might be playing them at a time now where there's a bit of uncertainty, but we said that about Sheffield Wednesday, of course, who haven't got a manager as well. So, um, I don't know, it's going to be difficult. Um, I'd like to see his try and come up with a bit of a reaction um i don't know one all maybe i mean it it it'll be interesting to see how many fans go away to hell as well because even though it's a really distant ground uh, of course the free travel's now been put on by our owner which is tremendous um and it'll be interesting to see if we do get uh, a noticeable uptick in supporters going away and whether that will have any impact on the performance as well. But I think we value for a draw um, and I would be very, very happy with a point from Hull. Yeah, I'd take that right now. My preferred scoreline if we're going to get a draw would be nil-nil, which is weird. But I want to see us actually, you know, not let a goal in. (laughs) It would be quite nice. And actually, I don't care how we do it by sheer luck. But Matt, your prediction on that match? Um, I, 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 I was going to predict one-one as well. Um, I think, it, I, I think it's either going to be a one-one or a two-one to hold, really, because I think, um, you know, Hull have been able to somehow keep hold of Grzycki and and Jarrah Bowen, which I think is a massive, Huge. massive coup for them, really. Um, and so far, but he could go in the window. So, so Let's hope. <laughs> Let's hope they're both out by the time we play them. <laughs> um, a lot, a lot could change, obviously, in in this week, depending on what what both both teams do. But um, but but I think as as things stand, I can't really see. Um, you know, I don't want to be doom and gloom, but I can't really see much hope of of, of a surprise win. Really, um, I, I'd be more than happy with a with a nil nil or a one one, really. Um, and um, yeah, just, just just get a point on the board, get get us up and running, and um, move move on from there. Really. Yeah, no, I agree. Hopefully that will be the case. We'll see some good transfer action during the week. There'd be probably people we haven't even mentioned or even heard of. Kier will get his magic hand in the bag and find some that he's forgotten all about, and just go, ah, I know exactly the place for them, the Medeski Stadium. They want to wear blue and white, and they've always loved them. Let's find a picture of them. Let's Photoshop the picture Maybe of them. Maybe Surat used to play for QPR, and oh. he was picked earlier in the window because of Kia. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, no, don't, yeah, dear me. No, don't mention that club. Don't mention that club. My no. favourite quote from Boye signing was, I've seen the stadium, and it's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen the Podeski Stadium, Lucas? I mean, it looks like it's made of Meccano. So, <laughs> nice. Maybe he was brought in under blindfold and was j- j- they took it off just as he got to the box. And <laughs> Maybe it's like Bobby Mihailov in the legendary fact that it's completely untrue uh, when he saw the playoff finally and he thought that was Elm Park. And then he turned up and he's like, no, this isn't what I expected. <laughs> you see, that is totally untrue, but I like the story. So uh, thanks a lot for uh, listening this week. I'll be back with some Periscope action probably on transfer deadline day when we sign absolutely nobody and there's much dejection. The club is in a shambles and should be burned down. And uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) And uh, I will be back with a podcast uh, next week after a hopefully, hopefully, let's go for a win. Why not? Fuck it. I'm going for a wing. Let's go 3 0. I don't care. It's completely <laughs> bullshit, but who cares? All right, then. Thanks a lot, then. Cheers. Bye.